Welcome back to Yeah, that can't be good. A rewatch podcast of the sci-fi original series Eureka. Let's get going. Hi, this is Vicky filling in for Doug, who's still on vacation with the TV Guide synopsis. Season 4, Episode 7, Stoned. Tensions between Carter and Grant over Allison Peak. Henry woos his own wife, and Zoe deals with a secret love as something begins turning townsfolk into stone. Original air date, August 20th, 2010. Creators, Andrew Cosby and Jamie Paglia. Written by Eric Wallace. Directed by Joe Morton. Hi, we're back for Season 4, Episode 7, Stoned. I'm here with my co-host, Doug Gramley. Hey. How you doing? Good, how are you? Great. So I don't know about you, but we're seven episodes in, and we're still having to sit through that previously on. Yeah, I usually just skip through it. It's the same thing, right? Right. Every single episode. Right, enough. We got it. Yeah, we get it. And I kind of remember that when I was actually watching it in real time, when I couldn't skip through it, because I was watching it on TV. Yeah. Okay, we got it. So let's get over that. Zoe's home for a visit. Apparently, she doesn't seem to have any interest in Lucas anymore, which is fine with me. He was just... You weren't a fan? No, I wasn't a fan. He was kind of just a... I don't know how to explain him. He just seemed uh, like a... A boy toy. He, uh, um, I guess, but he was kind of just like a mope. A mope. Uh, he was just there. He was just like a blob. He was not yeah. exciting. He was just dull. Right. He just seemed like he was moping all the time. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know. So, no, I wasn't a fan. Okay. Why you were? Um, I, I thought he was the nice guy, the safe choice, I guess. Yeah, I think at first, yeah, at first he was. And then it just seemed like he was just this clingy, needy mope. That's what they turned him into, to all me, right. anyway. So you are not a fan of Lucas? Not a fan. No. Okay. Get that, in case that wasn't clear. She's talking to Carter, and she makes a remark about if it starts in the friend zone, it should stay in the friend zone. Yeah. Which kind of, of course, relates to Carter and Allison, too. Right. College changes you. What you want, who you want. Oh, that's not uh, hair boy. You know, maybe what starts in the friend zone should stay in the friend zone. But Carter doesn't appear to be heartbroken over the loss of hair boy, as he calls him. Hair boy, yeah. <laughs> but she does kind of give indication that there might be somebody new. Yeah, she does, and he misses it. He totally yeah. misses it, yeah. So they run into Zane on the way into the cafe. Now, I was trying to remember when I first watched this. Were you surprised at the end when it was Zane? I think I was. Um, well, yes and no. I think I was sort of expecting something, and then they kind of steer you down a different path during the episode to make you think it's somebody else. And yeah. then at the end, they kind of reveal who it really was. I was and I wasn't, but then I, for some reason, I remember them together because when I rewatched the series and saw that Joe and Zane were together, right, that threw me off. I thought that it was, um, you know, Zoe and Zane. Actually, I remember that you mentioned that in an, in an episode way, way back. Yeah. I'm surprised that you remember Zoe and Zane and not Joe and Zane. Yeah, but, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I don't know if it was Zoe and Zane just yeah. in my head. I don't know if it's because they're both the problem child. Yeah, you know, huh. that, that kind of triggered that they were they were together. So I remember them being together. So I wasn't I wasn't surprised the second time watching it through, even though I forgot everything about. It. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was surprised. I think I remember being surprised. I knew it was going to be somebody and we were going to be surprised, but it never occurred to me it would be Zane. They run into Zane on the way into Cafe Diem and Zoe says hi, but still, I didn't get it. 
Yeah. Allison, Grant, and Jenna are inside together. Vincent delivers a giant cinnamon roll to Zoe. Yeah. <laughs> so Jack argues about the friend zone theory with Zoe, because I guess that kind of hit home to him, so he wants to state his case. And Joe shows up for the spa date with Zoe. Yeah. And so she asks what they were talking about, and Zoe tells her that they are discussing whether it's better to stay with somebody who's safe or to take a risk on somebody new. All the while, Carter's watching Allison and Grant. So again, it's kind of a conversation about him, even though they don't really know it and he doesn't really. Yeah, he's oblivious. Yeah. All the while, Carter's watching Allison and Grant. Joe immediately understands that Zoe's found someone new. Carter looks like, where did that come from? Like, how did I miss all that? Right. And, of course, he gets uncomfortable when Zoe's describing him as hot and everything, so he leaves. She's telling Joe about it, and Joe, her advice is to go for it and whatever makes her happy. The phone rings, and it's Joe's contractor about her house. Carter goes outside to catch Allison and Grant. His excuse is that it's police business. Yeah. And he asks Allison out to dinner. And you could tell just by the way she answered him that she has no idea it's a date. And I don't think I would either. If you would think that he's asking her out on yeah. a date. Would you the way he asked her? He said we have stuff to talk about. He went out and said it's police business, which it wasn't. But he says we have things to talk about. So what's up, Carter? Um, well, it's, it's uh, really more of a longer conversation. Uh, maybe you and I could uh, grab a bite. I, I just ate. No, not... Oh. <laughs> just ate. Uh, no, <laughs> later. Like, uh, say dinner? Oh, um, okay, well, Kevin's going to be at Dre's, and I have the nanny tonight. Yeah, sure, what time? Uh, say eight? Yeah, that sounds good. The way he asked her, I wouldn't have thought it was a date either. I don't know. I, I think, come on, she's got to know something, right? Right. She says later on that she's been thinking about them together. So why wouldn't you think they've gone, now this is what, how many episodes into the season are we? Six, seven? Seven. They've gone this far. They haven't spoken about what happened. There's this Grant who's, he's getting like, I don't know, creepier by the day. (laughs) With the way he just looks at people and the way he looks at Allison is just, you know, like, you see how, like, Carter looks at her and there's kind of like a joyful, warm feeling that look that he's giving her yeah this grant guy has got like this glazed serial killer (laughs) stare going on you know so it's got to know something i mean just by the way carter looks and smiles at her you would think that you know even though he's not outright saying it right by his mannerisms right but her point and she makes it later is he's done nothing about it she's known this for years Years. Well, then how come she's not doing anything about it? Well, she didn't do anything about it because they came back and Tess was there. Right, that I get. But then they break up. Right, and so maybe she just thinks that he's not as interested as she thought he was. Because, uh, I I mean, I think it's been apparent for years. So, I don't know. It's just the way he asked her. I'm sure they have dinner together all the time. They're friends. I'm sure that's not something out of the ordinary. Because she didn't seem shocked by it. Yeah. It's just the way he asked her. I would have never understood that it was a date either. Especially if it was somebody that I was friends with who I had dinner with all the time or lunch with or whatever, you know? Yeah. Oh, but the whole thing, like, you know, great, I'll see you at 8 o'clock. That's 
like the typical time. I mean, I would never eat dinner at eight o'clock. No, neither would I. <laughs> First of all, you're not actually eating dinner at eight o'clock. You're meeting them at eight o'clock. Right. So you're probably not getting your meal until almost nine. Right. I would have to eat dinner before I went out to dinner. You know, uh, yeah, like four thirty, <laughs> five o'clock, the latest. I want to be eating dinner. Joe complains that there's a problem with her house. Apparently, poor Joe in this house. This house is like the Jeep, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. There's always a problem. She says they haven't even poured the foundation on her house, and she'll have to continue living in Jack's crowded house because it was her Jack and Sarah, and now it's her Jack and Sarah and Zoe's home, and apparently Andy seems to be yeah. there often. Deputy Andy or whatever. Thing. Yeah. She wants her own space. Which means I get to keep living with the both of you and Sarah and her mechanical boyfriend, and oh my God, I need my own space. Mechanical boyfriend? I'm Sarah's been spending time with Deputy Andy. Your house is getting more action than either of us. I try not to think about it. They find out the holdup is over a fossil that they found at the site. Zoe recognizes the name of the anthropologist from school. I guess he taught at Tesla for a year or something. And it's Dr. Thorogood. They all go to the site. Thorogood won't remove the 15,000-year-old pinky he found until he can examine the area for more artifacts or fossils or whatever. Yeah. But he's also stuck to the inside of the foundation with flashcrete. Yep. Now, I don't remember. Is flashcrete, no, it can't be the same stuff. Remember way back when Joe and Zane were stuck together? I think that was something different. Yeah, okay. He says the contractor pushed him into it. She says yeah. if she pushed him into it, she would have pushed him into it face first. Yeah. <laughs> but she gives him some kind of depolymerizing spray to release him. Somebody, I don't remember who it was, mentions that it smells like oranges which is important later. Joe's house is going to be put on hold until they can excavate the site because in Eureka, science trumps construction. Yeah. Kind of like anywhere, I think, if you find artifacts or something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's pretty much anywhere, right? Yeah. Zoe is, like, super interested in this, so this is where they kind of lead you to believe that, you know, she's talking about, oh, this guy's a little bit older and uh, this and that, so I, you know, assumed that she was talking about this Thurgood anthropologist guy that she was had this crush on. I think that's what they were trying to lead us to believe, yeah. Yeah. So she goes and she's going to stay and kind of help out, and I don't think... Obviously, Carter's not too pleased with her wanting to stay. No, he isn't at all. Joe gets a call from Fargo's office. Apparently, someone at the DOD is looking into Dr. Grant. Yeah. They don't know who or why. As we know, if the DOD finds out that Grant is from 1947, they all could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So Joe suggests hacking the DOD, and she, of course, suggests getting Zane to help, because he's probably the only one who could do it. Back at the smart house, Zoe wants to take a picture of Carter all dressed up for his first date with Allison, but discovers she left her phone in her bag at the dig site. Carter volunteers to take her over there for his date. Yeah. When they arrive at the site, they notice that Derek's car is still there, and they find him encased in flashcrete. So I guess they assume he's dead at this point, and I guess I would too. Yeah, I think they did think that he was dead. So back at GD, Zoe decides that Derek would want them to continue with the dig, so she leaves to notify his team about what happened to him. Allison comments on Jack's clothes and asks him if he had a date. She had forgotten all about the dinner plans and is just now finding out that it was supposed to be a date, so that was a little awkward. You know, that whole thing was a little awkward because they bring this body encased in this cement, and, you know, there's, there's a, what they assume is a dead body on the table 
and then they get right back into flirting about, oh, you look nice, and oh, that's right, we were going out for dinner. Oh, wait, it was a date? You know, this whole thing. Meanwhile, there's a, <laughs> a dead body sitting right next to you. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, can we have this conversation maybe in the other room or the hallway? That seems to be where everybody has their big conversations. In front of a dead body? <laughs> well, doesn't it, though? It yeah, always, like, yeah. the worst. I mean, I know it's like a lighthearted show. Yeah. But still. <laughs> I know. Don't you think you want to figure out what happened to this guy first before oh, you absolutely. make a comment about, oh, that's right, we were supposed to go out to dinner tonight. Right, absolutely. And we mentioned before, like, Tess always wanted to talk about their problems, like, in the middle of a crisis when they're... Yeah. Yeah. And Allison, too. They all seem to have this thing about talking about everything that's wrong in the middle of a crisis or in the infirmary when people are dying. Yeah. It's just the thing. So they decide, like you said, they decide to focus on the case. Carter decides to go and talk to Dr. Zimmer, the contractor. And as he's leaving, Allison sees vital signs on the monitor and realizes that um, Derek is still alive. Zimmer denies... The whole thing even more weird. I know. I know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Zimmer denies using Flashcrete on him or anyone, but Carter locks her up anyway. Right. She's got probable cause. But, but I, I'm not sure if he can actually do that, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. He just throws her in and well, says, yeah. says she's got probable cause or just because he wants... What, he said something uh, said something that just because he wanted to lock yeah. her up. Yeah. And uh, tell me again what you did after I left yesterday. My crew cleaned up the site and then cleared out. Thurgood was still mucking about in his pit when we went back to the warehouse, I swear. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> well, you're not going to leave me in here, are you? On what charges? Probable cause. Or just because. Take your pick. Probably because, you know, it's a small town. He could probably throw... I mean, he's not supposed to, I'm sure, because we never hear yeah. anybody reading their rights and all that stuff. Right. You never heard that. I don't think once ever. So he just throws people in jail to hold on to him until uh, he decides whether they're guilty or innocent. Yeah, he yeah. does that all the time. Um, you never hear anybody ask for a lawyer or nothing. They all just get yeah. thrown in the cell. Yeah, I know. Okay, now shifting gears, we move to Henry and Grace. Henry's trying to start over with Grace, and they decide to date. And he takes her out on their first date. But then he finds out that the date he planned is the exact same first date that the other Henry planned. Yep. You know, now he doesn't know how to plan something because he's obviously thinks exactly the same way the old Henry thought. So he's afraid everything he comes up with is going to be exactly what the old Henry did. Back at GD, Dr. Vicelli, the spa lady, has some flashcrete solvent. And so she tries it on Dr. Thoroughgood, but whatever he's covered in is just getting thicker. Yeah. And she kind of gives up and says she's out of her league. But she said she could help Allison with her face. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid that this one is kind of out of my league. I mean, your situation, I can help. What, what, you mean the situation of my face? <laughs> I'm sorry, I do that. It's part of the job. I mean, really, you look great. But, uh, you know, in five years, just... Uh <laughs> I like the, the looks that she kept on giving people. Yes. <laughs> she gets Carter later on. Yeah. She was hilarious. She's good. I like her. Zane comes to Fargo's office and immediately notices that he has sonic protocols activated. So Zane knows something's up and they're doing something yeah. underhanded, which is probably the worst person to let know that something's up 
Right. You know, so they won't tell Zane exactly what he's looking for, but he knows something's up and he decides to use a little blackmail or leverage to get a quantum fluctuation generator. Mm -hmm. Um, And Fargo agrees. So Zane begins to hack the DOD mainframe. And then they cut back to the infirmary and Allison's, it looks like she's going to cut the cement off with a, that was a laser thing, right? Yeah. It looked like. But then she sees a tattoo on his arm, which if he was covered in cement, you wouldn't be able to see the tattoo. Right. So she realizes he's not covered in anything at all. His skin is turned to concrete or whatever this is. Carter goes to Thurgood's lab and discovers other people have been turned to stone. And this was kind of creepy. For some reason, it reminded me of Nathan's creepy lab. Yep. And then two of these people, one blinked and the other one could still talk. So it was kind of (laughs) really creepy. Allison says they were petrified from the outside in. She explains that it's the same principle as the woman who was fused to her couch after sitting there for six years. Do you remember that? Um, In real life? Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, because the one I remember was from like 2014 or 2012, which was after the show aired. But I think there was another one, because when I was looking up, I saw comments about, I read an article, you know, and it was from before 2014, so they couldn't have been talking about this woman. She weighed 480 pounds, and she sat on her couch for six years. Okay. And her skin fused with the couch, so it, like, became one. Yeah. She didn't get up to go to the bathroom? Apparently not. She had a boyfriend living with her who tried to take care of her, but... um, He did a terrible job. Yeah, I distinctly remember this one, but I do believe there is another real-life case that Allison is talking about, because this one was in 2012, and they had to take her out of the house with the couch. Yeah. And they tried to remove her with surgery, but she died. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. just look up woman fused to couch. It was gross, though. I remember it was gross at the time, and it's still gross talking oh, about it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's bothering me right now <laughs> Yeah. about it. Allison says it's only a matter of hours before the organs begin to solidify. So the silica in the flashcrete seems to be part of the problem, but since it's been used safely for years, Carter wonders if somebody messed around with the formula. Yep. Allison tells him that Dr. Zimmer, the construction woman, had a PhD in materials engineering. So Carter goes back to the jail cell to confront Dr. Zimmer and finds that she's also turned to stone. You know, this has nothing to do with anything, but every time I typed Turn to Stone on my notes, I kept thinking of that show. It was a miniseries, which I could never remember the name of, and I still can't, and I kept calling it Pillars of Salt. What was that? Pillars of the Earth. Because I still couldn't remember the name of it, and every time I wrote Turn to Stone, I I thought of Pillars of Salt, and I couldn't remember the name of the show. Okay, what was it again? Pillars of the Earth? Pillars of the Earth. I don't know why you keep on calling it Pillars of Salt. I have no idea. I have no idea in the world. And all I could think of is Pillars of Salt, so I can't even come up with the right name. What does Turn to Stone have to do with Pillars of Salt? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Didn't somebody turn to salt or stone in the Bible? I think that's where I get it from. Didn't somebody turn to salt or stone? Salt? No, I don't. I think that's where I get it from. I remember some story about Saul. I'm obviously not up on my Bible, so... Well, it was a good series. Yes, it was. For anyone who wants to watch it. Pillars of the Earth. Pillars of the Earth. Yes, it was. And the second part, what was the second part? Yeah, I forgot the name of the second one. <sighs> second part of it. See, I can't remember that either. Well, 
Never mind. Well, look up Pillars. I was going to say Pillars of Salt again. If you're interested, look up Pillars of the Earth, and then there's a sequel, which is like 100 years later. They're both really good. Okay. So anyway, the spa lady gives Allison... World Without End. Yeah, that was it. Sorry. You're right. That's it. I don't know why I can't remember the name of that either. So the spa lady gives Allison an analysis of the flash creep, and then she gives Carter her card. Yeah. <laughs> He seemed a little put off by that. Yeah. <laughs> See, but I like the way he acted that line. I have the analysis you asked for. If there's anything else I can do, please. Oh, my. What? Oh, sorry, nothing. Uh, here. Please, first treatment's on me. Oh, wow. He could have just been put off, but he just, you know, he makes... Yeah, like very over the top. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely insulted. Yes. So apparently his skin also needs help. Allison tells him that the flash crete was not tampered with. She explains to him that, I can't say this word. Uh, petrification. Yes, that's it. Is a form of fossilization. So for this podcast, I'm going to say fossilization and fossilized because I can't pronounce the other one. Petrification. Yeah. Carter runs off saying that they may be blaming the wrong person. Back in Fargo's office, Zane has figured out that it's actually the DOD accounting department checking into Grant because the IRS questions his claim of 11 dependents. Yeah. And apparently that's a Larry typo. Yeah. Carter questions Zoe about Thoroughgood while she's examining the pinky. She doesn't believe that the pinky's real, or certainly not from the time frame Thoroughgood claims it is from. Carter and Zoe go to Derek's home lab, and this was kind of gross too, because I don't like seeing mice or rats ever, and even if they're petrified. That was a rat or something, right? Uh, I think it was a squirrel. Oh. It was a dead squirrel. I know. I don't want to see dead squirrels. I don't like dead animals. I can't... Ugh. I don't hate animals, but I don't want to see, like, mice or rats or even squirrels. And I don't want to see dead animals. Carter and Zoe go to Derek's home lab, and she looks for the permanization solution. She finds it while Carter's doing whatever he's doing with the... Squirrel. Dead fossilized squirrel um, no, it wasn't fossilized yet it wasn't oh no, i thought it was he, so zoe thinks she finds something on the uh on the shelf and carter picks up this dead squirrel and then i think by accident drops it into the solution okay the, then then the, the squirrel oh petrifies. see as soon as i see him pick up petrifies. a dead thing i stop watching so i probably missed all that every single time <laughs> so he he drops the squirrel in the solution and then it solidifies Ugh. I, I, I guess maybe they both found the solution they just found it in different in ways. different ways okay she tells carter that the perm introduces silica and calcite to speed up fossilization but she also says there's way too much quartz in her findings and she believes that thoroughgood tried to finagle the data testing so he faked the fossil but then he knew under testing it would show to be a fake so he tried to finagle that by adding quartz or something. I don't know. Yeah. Quartz had something to do with it. So the pinky wouldn't show up as a fake. Allison thinks she can synthesize an anti-serum to reverse the fossilization. They still don't know why everyone at the site was not affected. Allison had tested Zoe and Carter, and they tested fine. So Carter feels bad for Zoe because this is her teacher, and she's, you know... He's a fraud. He's a fraud, so she feels kind of betrayed and let down. So Carter gives Zoe a spa pass. I was wondering where he got this pass. I remember now that the spa lady gave it to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to make her feel better, and there's nothing else for her to do at GD at the moment anyway. After Zoe leaves, Carter asks Allison why she knew it was a date when Grant asked her out, but not when Carter did, and we just 
discuss that whole thing. And she pretty much says, you know, he hasn't done anything since they kissed in 1947. And he actually acted like it didn't happen. So that's probably yeah. why she didn't initiate something, because he's acting like it didn't even happen. Nah, I just think it's all... You could defend him, go ahead. It goes both ways. I know, they're both, you know, even at the end, I thought, never mind, we'll get there. Carter heads out to set up a quarantine for the perm. He and Henry discuss Henry's first date debacle, and Carter tells him to go to the last person he would ever ask for advice. The last person he would ever ask for advice. Yeah, right? That's what he said, right? Yeah, he says, you know, do something that you wouldn't, wouldn't normally do. Right. Right, trying to not be like the other Henry... And he says, well, that's what I was doing. Right. Was to ask Carter for advice. Right. Funny. <laughs> Zoe and Grace are at the spa together, and Zoe tells her about her new man. And, of course, the conversation she's having about new relationships and old relationships kind of rings true to Grace, too, because, you know, right. Henry's the old relationship and Henry's the new relationship. Back at GD, Derek's body starts shutting down. The antidote Allison came up with didn't reverse the process. It just slowed it down. Yeah. She thinks he must have been exposed to something else to have activated the perm in this way. Carter goes to talk to Zoe to see if she's aware of anything else he may have come in contact with, but he shows up just in time to see her flirting with Zane. Yeah. That was the most awkward flirt I ever saw. Yeah, I don't know. She, like, touched his arm? Yeah. That was the only way Carter could know that she's flirting. If Like, if she wasn't touching his arm, he wouldn't have known. Right. Her. Yeah, it was kind of awkward. And Carter realizes that Zane's the guy he's been talking about. And, of course, Carter's not happy about yeah. that. Zane? He's the new guy? Well, I know what you're thinking, but he's really sweet once you get to know him. What? When, when did you get to know him? Just give it a chance. No! He's a train wreck. I'm just ask Joe. <laughs> Joe? Why would I ask her? Those two hate each other. Well, because of his poor work ethic? And while Carter's telling her how not happy he is, Zoe notices her hands are starting to fossilize. Zane stops Joe on the street with more information on Grant, because, of course, he wasn't going to stop there, and I don't know why they thought he was just going to stop looking into Grant. Yeah. Joe tells him that Grant is who he says he is, and he has nothing to worry about. Larry delivers a basket to Grant that contains a bottle of wine from 1947, which, of course, sparks some interest with Grant. He opens the note, and it, all it says is, from your friends in accounting. So they're saying accounting, but I guess it wasn't... Yeah, it was kind of like a cover. Right. So I guess it wasn't really the IRS looking into him. It was probably whoever was writing this note, but they made yeah. it look like it was accounting. Yeah. But it said, from your friends at accounting and the depot, 8 a.m., which was kind of cryptic. I always wondered about this depot place because they go there more than once. That's got to be outside of Eureka, right? I think so. I always thought it was. They never actually explained. Carter tells Allison that if Zoe's tests were clean earlier, then she must have come in contact with whatever's activating the perm after she was tested. Yeah. Carter knows that she's been at the spa, so they go to the spa. When they get there, Carter and Joe both smell orange, which is what they smelled at the site when they used that, whatever released him from the flashcrete. Yeah. Carter asks the spa lady, I can never remember her name, Vicelli or something, about the flashcrete. She says she doesn't use flashcrete, or she doesn't use it ever on anybody's face, but she does use limomene on the hands. Joe remembers that the construction crew used limomene solvent at the site. Carter takes a sample back to GD. Allison tests and finds that 
It is the bioactivation agent, but the antidote needs to be absorbed into the skin, which is impossible because the fossilization has closed up all the victim's pores. Good thing we talked a lot about people's pores. Everybody has bad pores in Eureka. Um, yeah. Carter suggests the molecular steam from the spa. Vicelli told him that it penetrates all skin types. Yeah. So they put all the stoners in plastic to contain the steam and begin filling the enclosures with the steam. And the monitor reads that it's absorbing into their skin, but it doesn't seem to be having any effect. Carter thinks he lost Zoe, you know, and rips open the uh, enclosure. Yeah. He's holding her hand, and her hand starts to turn back to normal. Allison wants her to stay at GD for another day, just in case. And Zane comes to visit Zoe in the infirmary. And right then, Joe is coming in to visit Zoe, and she sees Zane with Zoe. And she realizes that Zane is the one she's been talking about, and Zane is the one that Joe has been giving her advice about. Jack tries to comfort her and tells her that it's probably just a crush and it won't last. But Joe, I get it. She's not handling it well. Probably in the back of her mind, she thinks that she could get the relationship back, but... Oh, yeah, I think so, too. I think she definitely feels that way. Obviously, this isn't news that she took very easily. Henry calls Grace to the lobby of GD and starts singing, She Blinded Me With Science. Now, this is where... All right, so something about me, it makes me very uncomfortable Uncomfortable, when a show all of a sudden breaks out in song and dance. I know that. I understand what you mean. For no reason. Yeah. I imagine that it's got to be uncomfortable for everybody involved. Yeah. Right? The actors. Yeah. That got the extras on the scene that yeah. are like in the background and I could just imagine the director being like, okay, now everybody just start dancing. And you got people <laughs> who don't know how to dance who are just dancing. Yeah. You know, the guy behind the camera who's, you know, filming this is got to feel so uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why they do it. I understand because there's things that make me uncomfortable and I can't explain it. Even when I'm alone, like if I'm, I'm watching it at home, I get oh I I, I get yeah, embarrassed I and I yeah, have to turn yeah. it off. Like The Office, I liked the show, but there were sometimes that what's his name, Michael? Yeah, Scott. He was so cringeworthy that I was embarrassed for him, even though he's a character. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean that's that's funny, cringeworthy. No, 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 no. This, I had to... to me was just. <laughs> you know, and I'm not, I don't want to single anybody out. Was it his voice? Because then you got like, you have him lip singing to somebody and it's not his voice. No, I thought it was his voice. I was going to ask you about this. It sounded like that auto tune. Yeah, because way. it was way too perfect. Oh, yeah, it sounded mechanical. And maybe it was supposed to be mechanical sounding because of the song. She blinded uh, me with science. I don't know. But I thought, for some reason, I always thought he could sing. But when he starts singing, not the first line, but when he starts singing when all the music comes on and everything, yeah, it sounded like it was auto-tuned to death. And I didn't know if that was done on purpose or if it's just because he can't sing, but for some reason I thought he could. I mean, it's possible, but it still was just, I don't know. For a, a non-musical does that, it, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, I know, I understand. Very exactly. cheesy, very... <laughs> But the thing I do like about this, not specifically the song. Fargo in the background? Yes. They're in a different timeline. Before this timeline, they weren't all friends like they are now, or they seem to be getting to be. Joe and Fargo work together, but they seem to be actual friends now. Yeah. Fargo and Henry seem to be friends now. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the thing I liked about the scene, was that it showed that Fargo was willing to help Henry with something that didn't have anything to do with GD and didn't have any benefit for him. That's what this scene made me see. You know, the singing and all that nonsense, 
Yeah, no. But when you're talking about the people dancing, you have to go online someday and there's Park and Rec. I don't know if they're outtakes or what, but there's a couple of scenes where they're in that club they're always in. You know, I can't. (laughs) When they're filming it, all these people are dancing to dead silence because they add the music in later. Right. And it just looks so weird. That's different because of course, yeah. not the main people on screen are, are the ones doing it. If it's a scene that makes sense, you know, you go to a place that's playing music, you know, people are going to dance. But any time that they have somebody just break out into a song or when there's a show that's got, you know, somebody singing in the background, you know, clearly it's somebody that the director owes a favor to and they want to get their <laughs> voice on screen so they can get noticed. It's just like, it, it's like a prop placement, you know, when somebody holds up a Pepsi can. It's so obvious. It, I don't know why it bothers me so much. But every time I see a lounge singer in the background of a show singing a song, it's just, oh, come on. All right, we get it. Congratulations, you can sing. <laughs> All right, tell us how you really feel. Carter and Allison talk in the hallway about Zoe's friend zone theory. And Allison said she would never want to lose their friendship. But I think she went there because Jack brought it up. So she kind of thought that Jack wanted just to be friends. And just like always, they never are on the same page. And Jack just says, okay, and starts to walk away. And then I thought, of course, that neither one of them was going to say anything, as they always do. But Jack turns around and goes back to kiss her, finally. And she seems agreeable to the situation. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) So Grant shows up at the depot, and waiting for him is Beverly Barlow. She knows exactly who he is. Yeah. And where he's from. And she says he knew her father back in 1947. And they've been waiting a long time for him. And that's the end. Did we miss anything? No, I don't think so. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? Well, going back to the singing thing. <laughs> no, I'm, I think I'm... I was kind of glad Beverly's back. I mean, she's evil, obviously, but... Yeah, I don't know. I guess it, it, it makes sense to bring them back. I mean, eventually, I think this whole storyline kind of unfolds. So this is kind of like the best way to, to go about doing that. Yeah. So we'll see you next week for episode eight. Yeah. We'll see you later. Be there. Bye. Bye. Trevor Grant. How do you know my name? I've known your name my whole life. I believe you knew my father, Adam, back in 1947. Who are you? My name is Beverly Barlow, and we've been waiting a very long time for you. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. Join us next time for Season 4, Episode 8, AX Files. See you later. Bye. Bye. Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page, yeah, that can't be good, at facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch, or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at eurekarewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at eurekarewatch at gmail. We would love to hear from you. And we're now also available on Google Play.